Welcome to the podcast version of 32 Bar Cut, the show. A series for performers, about performers, made by performers. Every week, we give audition advice, share personal experiences, and sit down with fellow colleagues in the performing arts to chat about their life in the industry. If you are hearing this message, you are not currently a subscriber and will only be hearing the first half of the podcast. If you would like to hear the full interview, including the Curtain Call series, you'll want to head over to 32barcup.com, where you can find a link to our Patreon page. There you will have exclusive access to the entire video and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. Thanks for listening. Without further ado, on to the show. Today on 32 Part Cut the Show, we are sitting down with Chicago actor Travis Turner. Travis Turner is one of the earliest friends I made when I made my transition to musical theater in Chicago. We chit-chat probably twice a week on FaceTime, and so I am so happy to introduce you to him so that you can get to know a little more about him, too. Welcome to the show, Travis Turner! Oh my god. (laughs) Hey, y'all. How are you? Good to see you. It's good to see you, too. How are you doing? How have you been... During all this, how are you doing? Oh, uh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> but, uh, you know, up and down. You've been right there with me. Um, yeah. But I'm in a good spot right now. And I think that's sort of the uh, the most important thing. Yeah. Really good. And, like, uh, it's, like, a beautiful day here in Atlanta. So, like, things are looking up. Oh, I miss that Atlanta weather, man. Like, it's it's snowy here in New York. And so cold it like chokes you when you walk out but you know what that's like because you lived sure you lived in chicago for how long um oh my gosh i, I mean i went up there for school at the, in 20 uh, 2001 and um yeah i left uh, in 2018 left in wow. 2018 yeah you like you lived lived in chicago i lived in chicago more than i lived anywhere else in my life including atlanta because you yeah. left for college for Northwestern, and I assume you were you were eighteen at the time. Yep. So what yeah. was that like? Like, because I mean, we we're both from Georgia. Um, for those of you who don't Clayton know, <laughs> that yeah, Travis and I grew up in Clayton County. Never met each other. Never knew each other. Um, and. I could I think I speak for both of us that proud moment when Clayton County showed up on the on the board during the election last year. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah. coming from a town like Clayton County and then leave, leaving to to live in Chicago for me was a culture shock and I mm. was uh 23 at the time, 22. So what was that like for you at 18? It wasn't as big of a shock for me as I as it likely was for you. I I'd lived in Kansas as a kid for like six years. Shout out to Kansas City. What's up, Austin? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I was I was used to snow. I was used to the weather. I was used to sort of um, at least going to school in Evanston and sort of Northwestern. I was used to kind of not having as many black friends. Um, as I as I did in in Georgia, um, but also my high school was pretty diverse too. Um, 
anyway and so yeah it wasn't like the the weather thing for sure was like something but i was like all for it and i really didn't feel kind of the huge difference until actually until i graduated college and oh. sort of became an adult and and didn't have like the structure of school anymore mm-hmm. and that for me was really when like the winters actually started to feel like something when like seasonal um affective disorder like when that became a thing um, I also had a car, so like I just had different responsibilities than I did as a kid, and it, yeah, that really hit for me, like 2005. Oh wow! And that makes me think, like, because when you did leave Northwestern, did you did you all do like a, a showcase? I say this because I didn't do a musical theater program, you know this, yeah. and so this whole showcase thing was very new to me when I started to meet my musical theater friends, but. I'm assuming at a big school like Northwestern, you would do a showcase. And so did you, when you did yours, did you like your presentation? Did you like what you had mm. to present? Did, yeah. did you book an agent? <laughs> like, what, what was your showcase experience at Northwestern? It was weird. It was weird that there was so much emphasis placed on it, I felt like. Um, mm. And maybe that was like just me or like my, sort of the folks who I was around. But yeah, it felt just like all important and all consuming. We had a sh- we had a Chicago showcase, which sort of everyone who was like a, a theater senior could participate in. And then we had a New York showcase, and that was that was a bigger to do. We took a class um, in winter quarter. Northwestern's on the quarter system, so we took a we auditioned fall quarter senior year. We uh, took a class senior uh, winter quarter, and then we actually went over spring break or just after spring break. So the first week of spring quarter. Um, and yeah, I, I remember sort of reading a lot of, a lot of different plays, a lot of different scenes. And that's really what we would do is just like bring a scene in, you know, and like there was about 10 of us or maybe a little bit more sort of in the straight play in the drama division. And you just like read scenes for an hour and come back the next day. And we did that, you know, three or five or three days a week, that entire quarter. So I loved that part of it. I ended up doing a scene from Our Town. Okay. It's the um, the soda fountain scene. I was George and this really amazing actor named Greta Lee, who's, um, I mean, she's like, she's a star. Um, <laughs> she's on Russian Doll. I think I saw on Deadline not too long ago that she's shooting um, The Morning Show with Jennifer Aniston and Reese oh, Witherspoon wow. right now. Yeah, she's like a legit star. She was on, um, on Broadway in Spelling Bee and a couple of other things I mean just like killing it she's she's really wonderful um go to her Instagram she's amazing but yeah so she and I and I think it was kind of a cool angle because it was like the black guy and the like Asian girl doing this like quintessential American piece so that was really cool I ended up getting like a a call in for Lincoln Center for like a reading that I auditioned for and a bunch of just sort of like headshot requests but nothing really came of it I did meet with an agent um and I remember feeling like they didn't believe in me. <laughs> like Ooh. even just sort of in the quick meeting that we had, you know, she was like being friendly, but she said, you know, you're an all right actor. And <laughs> I remember feeling like, Whoa. I don't think you really like me. Um, so I never did any kind of real follow up with that. 
and I knew ultimately that like the plan at the time was to get to New York eventually, but that like I wanted to be in Chicago for just the like a smidge to do some work. And I already actually had like a sh- a show lined up for the summer. So it's like, it's cool. I'm going to go back to Chicago and do do a little bit there. And then I'll be in New York in a, in a year or two. Uh, here we are, you know, 18 years later or thir- 14 years later. No, 16 years later. Okay. Back on the slide. <laughs> I, um, I'm actually curious more about the, the showcase part too, because so... When you when you went in, you said you did a Chicago showcase and a, a New York showcase. Was it just strictly Northwestern students or did you all, was there DePaul and Columbia or not really? Yeah, no, I believe that certainly then, and I'm pretty sure this is how they do it now, sort of each school holds their own showcase. Mm. And they'll just have a night where you invite agents and casting directors in and they'll come and sort of see whatever your, your pieces are. Um at the time, it a lot of energy went into the New York showcase, and the Chicago showcase was more just sort of like, hey, you know, grab a buddy and rehearse this scene. What scene are you guys doing? Okay, cool. Keep it under two minutes, and you'll go on third. Like, it was a really sort of loose production um, in the way that, like, the, North, the New York one was just very rigid and very sort of um, structured. They also, I guess it's worth noting that, like, at the time and i believe they still do northwestern had like two showcases in one night they had a music theater showcase and a like a drama showcase um and i was one of three people that year who were chosen to do both which was pretty cool Very so cool. you know we had to do like you know two little short songs and uh and then like change our and we had like ography and everything for like the musical theater showcase and then, you know, change your clothes and then you do the the straight theater one. Um, so that was like a, I mean, it was incredibly stressful um, and perhaps not like super fruitful, but like a, a huge honor nonetheless. So, yeah. Yeah, I um, I, I wanted to ask too, because um, I didn't come from a theater program, but as I've met you and our, our other friends and our other peers in this profession, um, I can see where I'm lacking like all the time. Like e- even if it has to do with uh, knowledge of theater shows, you know? Um, and I, I, I'm i curious if you felt like when you left Northwestern or even when you left North Atlanta, because North Atlanta is a performing arts school in, in Atlanta, did you feel like they definitely got you ready for the next step? Do you think each time you went into these programs that you felt ready to go to the next step and that you felt like, like you were educated and equipped and, and you were like, yeah, I'm on track. Yeah, no, I, uh, I certainly did coming from North Atlanta going to Northwestern. Um, and I, I mean, I, I felt reasonably equipped leaving Northwestern mm-hmm. and going out into, into the real world. There are a lot of things that I would change about, that program, which has evolved a lot since I was last there. Um, But I mean, I think it's kind of tough too. And that like, it's like, it's an undergrad program Mm -hmm. and one at a sort of huge university. Um, And one of the things that I was just really, really interested in at the time was like to not go to a conservatory. 
that may have sort of given me a little bit more technique and other kind of tools to sort of propel me into the world of being a professional actor. But like, I wanted to spend time in the classroom studying other stuff and Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, really kind of being curious about other things. Um, So I, I, I don't know, that's kind of a tough one. I felt prepared, but there are certainly things that I would change. And I don't think that like, I get that you're saying too about like knowing kind of theater history and theater knowledge, but like, you know, everything you need to know. I mean, you're working, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I don't know. It is. I, I don't know. I get what you're saying. I, I totally get what you're saying, but I feel like, um, I, it took me a while to get comfortable saying, I don't know that, you know, mm, like it took yeah. me a while to to not pretend and fake like I knew yeah. what my colleagues were talking about. And finally, I'm just like, y'all, I don't know. You know, tell me. Yeah. Tell me, you know, or but, I'll Google it or whatever. But it took a while to feel comfortable and confident to say that because of the whole, you know, imposter syndrome or just. That's real. You know, kind of coasting on my voice, you know, and, and yeah. realizing, oh, as I learn, I need to try to kind of deposit some of that knowledge so that I can take it with me along the way instead of just discarding it when I don't need it anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. I really want to go back to this agent because uh, it's something I've thought about, the agent and client relationship, where you need to you need to like each other, at least enough to to work well together. And your agent should believe in you, (laughs) you know, they should believe in you and they should be excited about you. And so what was your journey like getting your first agent and making sure that that match worked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's (laughs) funny. It's, it's true. It's so weird that like, I really feel like at that time at, you know, 22 years old that I, I knew that like, this isn't, this isn't it like that in that conversation with that woman after I just like done two monologues and sort of sat down in the office and she's got an assistant over there and cats are running around, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But there was just something about like her tone and and what she said. It just felt like, you know what, this isn't it. This isn't, this isn't me. I, I don't know if that was like the right move or not, but like, I I'm glad that I did that. Um, And it, it just felt, it just didn't feel right. Didn't feel like she believed in me. Um, I certainly, I also want to talk a little bit about like the things that I would, or that I wish that I had done differently as an undergrad and like the program itself and things like that. Um, But anyway, um, yeah. So my first agent actually came from that, um, that Chicago showcase. Um, your current agent, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, saw me that night. Um, didn't reach out. Um, I was working in shows. And I believe later that year, this is 05. So the Chicago company of Spelling Bee, 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, was holding auditions that fall. Um, I was working at the Marriott in Footloose. And I remember getting a call from a woman being like, Hey, you don't know me. I saw you at Chicago Showcase. This came across the uh, came across my computer, and I think you would be great for it. So, like, can I submit you? And also, can we like talk? I would be interested in representing you. It's like, yes and yes. Like, sure, okay. 
Um, and we, I ended up, you know, going to the auditioning and to the audition and like that, that whole process was like a, a you know, I think there've been like a couple of near misses in my musical theater career that I know you've been there for like some of them. And like, that was one where I felt like this is it. Like this is, this is the thing. Um, and it was down to like me and as I understand it, me and two other guys, I met, you know, William Finn and James Lapine and like, you know, wow. four callbacks later and um, didn't book it. <laughs> uh, but I had the agent. And so, yeah, it was, it was cool in that like one, like she remembered me from Showcase and that like all those months later, she was like, I think that that kid who I, who I saw in the question, I think like this will be good. And like, it, it worked. Like we, we kept getting sort of a lot of validation from that. Um, that being said, I remember sort of, she wanted to go kind of exclusive Mm-hmm. And this was like at a time where Chicago wasn't all exclusive. Like you could be sort of listed with multiple agents. And I had a second agent who I got a few months after that um, through my roommate, actually, at the time. My roommate was with her as well. And I went in as a reader for my roommate. Oh, wow. <laughs> I went in as a reader for my roommate. And she was like, hey, um, would you be interested in, you know, maybe working with us? Like, that was a good read. And I was like, yeah, of course I would. You know, <laughs> I've got this other thing. And she was like, no, it's no problem. You know, you, you can multi-list. It's Chicago. We're good with that. So, yeah, I had two agents at the time. And then when uh, your agent wanted to go exclusive, I was like, I don't feel comfortable with that. So I think I'm going to go back to this other lady and try to sort of find other representation. I worked with her for a number of years, uh, but then she was kind of at the end of her career and she sort of shut down Chicago offices and moved to LA, but continued to represent sort of remotely, ended up just like not working out. And I was sort of without an agent for like four or five years. I didn't know it was that long. Yeah. But you had so many connections at that point. You didn't need an agent, not in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, that's what I thought. No, I think that's right. I That's how I felt which was like, I'm not interested in on-camera work anyway. It wasn't popping off the way that it is now. Mm. And I was like, I'm a theater actor. And specifically, like, a musical theater actor. Like, that's where my bread and butter was. And I know the casting directors in town right now. So, mm-hmm. like, no, I'm good. That, that all seems like such a waste of time. And um, I think it was, like, 2014 when someone who I'd uh, done a show with, Grace, ended up booking Empire mm-hmm. and I knew like a couple of other people who went in for that and like yeah my agent got me this audition for this show it became like this big huge thing and I was like I think I need to get an agent now to <laughs> sort of see <laughs> I feel like I'm missing out on some things because uh, that's happening y'all are okay yeah so and that's when I sort of went back on the hunt that is definitely the time where I felt like uh the, the TV film scene in Chicago blew up with, you know, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, um, Betrayal for a second, um, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. Empire, and now uh, Shameless and The Shy and you name it. I don't, yeah. I, don't even, I can't even name all the shows co- coming out of uh, Chicago right there was now. like I- the Chicago Code, there was the Mob Doctor, there's that show Next, um... What Southside, the uh, like comedy on, um, I forgot what channel that's on. Maybe Comedy Central, actually. Yeah. Easy, easy on Netflix. 
Is it called Easy? Really? Yeah. That's Chicago? I didn't Definitely know Chicago. They don't say, like, you can just, when you watch the show, you know it's Chicago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the train or they make Chicago references. It's like shot in Chicago. But yeah. yeah, there's definitely a reason now to have an agent in Chicago. But I can agree with you. When I oh, yeah. was first starting out, our th- I made theater connections just by crashing equity auditions. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm with Court Theater and Marriott and Paramount and, you know, and when I did book my agent or when I was signed, the only thing they really sent me on straight away was a lot of commercials. And that world mm-hmm. was very different from theater. Like you could, you might get the copyright when you walk in the room or they have you do, you do, you know, doing strange things. Or there's no things. copy whatsoever. Or there's yeah. no copy whatsoever. They're like, just, just look around the corner. Oh, oh, uh, what corner? You know, just create it, but look around the corner. You know, like, I don't know what's happening. Okay. Sure. But yeah, I mean, but there's so much money in commercials too. And, and Chicago has a huge market for, for advertising and everything. So Yep. I, I loved it. I was like, this is great. It gives me something to work towards and maybe I can pay my bills. But exactly. Yeah. Cause it's a great way to supplement your income mm-hmm. to, I mean, it's, it's cool to sort of build up that resume. Like if you can, of like, Oh yeah. I like my commercial game is like, it's on point. Um, cause that could potentially lead to other on-camera opportunities. Absolutely. And yeah. It's just also just like diversity of work. Like you get to sort of switch it up and do something different. Why yeah. Not? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Um, let me see. Let me check my notes because there's other things I want to ask you. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Speaking of switching it up. So you surprised us all because you never tell us what shows you're in. We all just like find out or you're like mention it casually while we're sitting down to dinner or something. But I remember a few years back when you did your first show with Second City, it was like American something. What was it called? Uh, that one was a, a American mixtape. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. American mixtape. And you you didn't want us to come see you, but we all came together. It was like me and BA. Maybe Brenda came along. Austin, did you come with us? We can't remember. We can't remember. That doesn't matter. Let me get to mm-hmm. my point. My point is, so here you are straight theater actor, musical theater actor, now at a comedy-based performance art form called The Second City. Like, did you you do any any improv beforehand? How did you book this? It's a mystery to me. (laughs) No, (laughs) No, not that you're not deserving. That came out so wrong. But I mean, mean, you do, you are always working. You are always, uh, uh, you know, busy doing something, doing something. So all of a sudden you're like working at Second City and it was a shock. So tell us about it. (laughs) It was a shock to me too, believe me. (laughs) I think like that was my like Chicago experience. And I think that's one of the really cool things about a place like Chicago that like that's sort of possible because there's so many strong institutions. And I don't know, like I, it sort of came along at a, at a nice point where like people were sort of looking for folks to do a variety of different things. Um, like I, I, I wonder if people in other markets are really sort of able to do that mm. specifically, I guess like people who aren't like, you know, like stars, like just like regular actors who are able to kind of do that thing. Um, I don't know, but anyway, yeah, no, it's so funny that, um, that was my first like second city show, like in Chicago. But at that point, I'd already done like three of them elsewhere. 
My very first one was in 2011. It came right after Porgy and Bess. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. We were, um, like, that summer, after we closed Porgy and Bess, I remember working at, uh, I was at Trader Joe's, and I got a call, like, um, or it was an email, you know, from uh, someone at Second City. I think it was Deanna Griffith Irons, who's, like, sort of the head of diversity there, who's, like, we're looking for understudies for, like, this show that's currently on the main stage. Um, your name came up. I like think you'd be a good fit for it. Would you be willing to come in and audition? Um, and I'd heard of Second City because I'd seen one show there way back when I did like a summer camp at Northwestern, the summer session in 2000. <laughs> so it had been 11 years. Um, but I was like, um, I like this is I have no interest in this whatsoever. Completely like ready to blow it off. But I said, you know, uh, one of my friends, Nora, at Trader Joe's was like, you know, why not? Like, truly, what have you got to lose? So just, like, have the conversations with them. Like, figure out what they want you to do. You know, maybe go see the show. And so, you know, I checked back in. And I was like, you know, what are the things that would be required? Um, just, like, tell me more. And I remember she was like, you know, come come see the show. Um, because you would be sort of understudying this, like, main stage show that's currently running. Um, it's called, um, the South side of heaven, South side of heaven. And, uh, um, you would sort of prepare a couple of scenes from the show, we, you know, have you with the reader, you might sing a little bit, um, which is why I think sort of, you'd be right for this. And, you know, uh, you may have to do a Barack Obama impersonation. I was like, okay, well, oh God, that's, that's not happening. There's no <laughs> way I can do that. Like, <laughs> I have no, I don't have that ability, but um, I saw the show. They let me, they let me see it for free. Nice. I remember exactly where I sat. Cause it was like right by the host stand. They have like sort of just a pair of like um, of seats where there's just like, you know, we usually sort of put like, that's where our people sort of sit. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so cool. <laughs> and um, saw that show, which I think was just like the most one of the most amazing pieces of theater I've ever seen. Wow. Um, you know, it's it's got these amazing performers. Sam Richardson, who's from Veep. Um, he plays Richard Splett on Veep. Um, Edgar Blackman. Um, Holly Laurent. Katie Rich, who writes for um, SNL or wrote for SNL. Uh, Tim Mason, who's a friend of mine now and somebody who I worked with. So it just like had this like amazingly brilliant cast. Uh, Tim Robinson, who uh, also wrote for SNL, um, and it was directed by Billy Bungra. I'm sorry, I'm just like shouting out these people just because like <laughs> one, they're like heroes of mine, but two, like some of them I've actually been able to work with subsequently. Like Billy Bungra, who directed it, and Julie, who music directed, like became like my friends and people that I collaborated with, and we did the like band together. Like that was them, and I met them like at this audition working on this show. Anyway, I'm sorry. Long story long. I um <laughs> I auditioned for the show. Um, I read with Holly. I did a I did a Barack Obama impersonation. It was terrible. Um, they had us do a scene called Mother to Son, just like a short scene where this like mother's kind of you know telling her son what's what. It was played by two men, and so they had me play like the the young boy, and then they're like, "Cool, cool, that's great." you know the sort of mother's lines? I was like, um, ish. And I'm like, okay, could you now read the mother? Like, <laughs> Be ready. <laughs> yeah. 
And so I like did the scene as the mother. And um, and then Julie was there and they were like, could you learn this like short phrase for, you know, and like sing it back to us and did that. And then like, okay, great. And I ended up like booking it. And I'm like, cool. This isn't quite like an understudy thing. And we know we mentioned that, but we want you to take this show to Woolly Mammoth in Washington, D.C. over the holidays. And it'll be their holiday show. Wow. And so like that was it. Like 2011 into 2012, like I did, I did that. And I loved it. There was just something about like, and that was, it was a full sketch show. Like everything was written. There was very, very little improv, but you know, there's room for some improvisation and there was audience interaction. So like, you know, that became very kind of improv but not like a straight, like improv set, which I'm terrified of. <laughs> um, and that just went well. And like, they sort of, they, they got me in. And I remember, you know, I had a meeting with the folks, with the producers after that, um, when we got back to Chicago and they were like, we're interested in sort of like bringing you into the fold a little bit more. Do you have any interest in that? And I said, no, <laughs> like comedy really isn't my thing. But like if shows become available and you have like regional opportunities, then like, sure, like totally think of me. And I'm just like super thankful because like they, like every year they would sort of call and be like, hey, we've got this thing, you know, like. Later in 2012, I, I went to Cincinnati with them and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, progressively began to do like more and more improv. But, you know, that was still like a, a fully written sketch show. Um, 2013, we went to La Jolla. And then in 2014 is when I did my first like Chicago show. So, yeah, Second City was a, a major, like a huge, a huge impact on like my professional, like personal life because I met a lot of friends there. And just like, I feel like a lot of growth artistically too. I can't, I can't speak highly enough of, that's interesting. I can't speak highly enough of it, though that was not everybody's experience. Yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, before we, if, if we even get to that, I, I want to go back to when you were talking about uh, the casting director reaching out to you or the artistic diversity director. I'm getting her title completely wrong, but just you, you saying, oh no, 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 this isn't my thing. And that sometimes we do that. We cast ourselves. Like we don't, we don't allow the casting directors to do the job. We decide, we look at it. We say, no, you got the wrong person. I'm, I'm not the right person yep. for this. And I'm not even going to go in. I remember yep. when I was sitting down to in an acting class with Heidi Marshall, who used to be a casting director for years. And she was talking about how there are so many actors that just say no. They don't even come in the room, you know, and that's the first knife in the foot, you know, and it's interesting to hear you retell this story and actually live it like watching you live it through your eyes and everything, (laughs) because if if your friend at Trader Joe's hadn't said, Travis, just go in, you know, that maybe that whole chapter of your life would have happened later, maybe not happened at all, but it sounds like it really enriched you. And I think that's the lesson there is that, you know, let them say no (laughs) and not you. Let them say no. Yeah. Let them say no. If it's something that you think you would like to do, if it's something where you're like that, like that's, I have no interest in that whatsoever. I think like being able to sort of say no and to own it and like actually know it is, is really important. Yeah. Like no is a complete sentence and it's great Mm -hmm. um, as a performer. That being said, like I, I did have an interest in it it ended up being this really, really enriching experience um, that like, you know, sort of gave me a lot over the last like decade. Yeah. And I do remember, you know, Nora in the back, she, just that, she was like, um, if you go in there and make a fool of yourself and you're like 
you have a terrible Barack Obama impersonation <laughs> and they have no interest in you whatsoever. Like, what did you lose? What did you lose? What, what did you lose? You don't know those people at all. Yeah. You will never see them again if they're not interested. So like, what's the harm? It's like, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know this story, but I have made a fool of myself in front of a director. And um, at least I have a good story about it. Like, at least I can laugh yeah. about it. Um, for those listening and watching, you're probably like, what is she talking about? I, I had a, a really cool audition for Spike Lee. And I misunderstood completely what was being required of me. And um, I'll tell you all about it another time. We don't have to get into it here. <laughs> but um, also speaking to that audition you had with Second City. My Spellman's sister. I'm oh, my God. Oh, my God. Sister. No, he was like, Spellhouse gave me a hug oh. and everything. But by the end of it, it was just a pity hug, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but speaking to being in that audition for Second City and uh, <laughs> them asking you to, you know, learn this little bit of a song and switch characters and all that. Austin and I were just talking the other day because he said on, you know, the other side of casting tables all the time, yeah. like that sometimes, you know, yeah, they want to see if the actor can do more. But Austin, what were you saying about sometimes they you just want to see if people are willing to work hard or. Well, yeah, I mean, some, sometimes like Hamilton's a great example. They give them these huge packets of material. And part of it is because once they get hired into the show, they do have to go into the show in a couple of weeks and know a insane amount of tracks. And that's part of the test. And I think some people are like, why would you give me all this? And I think that the, the, the well, that's a whole conversation, but it's when you give it, are you giving it to the first audition? Cause that's too much. But if you're giving it to them, you know, for the callback, that's I think part of the test and that needs to be recognized. Right. Yeah. That's, that's real. That's I've, a good point. I don't know. And it's also a part of the casting process too. Like I've gone in for, um, auditions for readings or workshops and they don't have time to cast it over a long term like a long set of weeks or whatever yeah. they might only have two yeah. calls or they might have one call so they give you all of the material they're even considering you for and they're like do what you can you know and sometimes yeah. you get a week to learn it sometimes you get three days to learn it it's just about how yep. bad do you want it how bad do you want it? Because it's not really, oh, how much time do you have to, to take this on? It's like, how badly do you want it? Will you stay up overnight to learn this and consume this information? Yeah, I, I guess I'm like of two minds about it. I think like on the one hand, I totally, like, yeah, that's true. But I know that I've been in many times, like I've been in a position where it's like, I can't get somebody to play this for me. And I have to learn all of this material by tomorrow. And I just feel like, like such a jerk, like, I don't know what to do. You know, it's like sort of resources, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm under resourced right now and I would do the work. I'm interested, but like, I don't, I have nowhere to go. Um, if it's something where like, I just have to memorize, yeah. I'm, I'm all about like, yeah, let me do the work. But like learning music for me at least is like, that's a whole other thing. And mm -hmm. that's, that's a bigger ask, I think. Um, but there's nothing like that feeling of like when you've got that whole packet down and you're like, okay, where do you want to start? What do you want? Shall we do? Yeah. Which one? Because I've, I've got them all. Do uh -huh. you want to go in Let's order or you just want the meaty scene? Like, what do you want? Right, right. You you tell me. Yeah, there's nothing like that, you know? And where you're like, this is me. Yeah. This is all me. And I'm ready. It's all up here. Like, let's go. Let's play. There's nothing like that. There's also nothing like 
having that whole packet prepared and then being like, yeah, we're only going to hear the first side today. Well, that always happens. I have never learned a whole pack. I probably just once. Yeah. Have I learned a whole packet and they've listened to the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Just probably once mm-hmm. or twice out of dozens of auditions. And yeah, it's frustrating. But now, I mean, you know it's gonna, you know it's possible. You know it's possible. Right, right. Um, for sometimes it's just the casting director sends all that material just in case to cover their steps. Right. right. And then the director walks in, he's or he or she is like, No, no, I only want to see the last scene. Yeah. Right. And so if you have a decent casting director that's thinking about you, they'll tell you outside the room before you walk in so that you're not looking like, you know, crazy. Like <laughs> standing there waiting, like, yeah. mm-hmm, okay, can we? Like, no, 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 we're good. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to see more. <laughs> yeah. Or even like just to know that they may stop you because I've worked with um, yep. a director when I was a reader um, who would stop people mid scene because he had seen enough. And it wasn't because they yeah. were terrible, but. We don't know that when you're an actor and yeah. you're on the other side, you're like, oh my God, he stopped me. I'm, I must be horrible. Can I leave now, please? You know, yeah. it happens too. I hate that. I get that it happens and I hate that so much. I understand. And I, I'm trying to think of like that happened, like in my experience in Chicago. Um, I feel like it must have, but there is this, there has to be this sense of like, this person has done the work. Yeah. And like the very least we could do is like let them do their work, even if like we aren't super interested. But like you, you've prepared. Yeah. The scene we have what like two more pages to go. Okay, fine. Just like let them let them work. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. It ain't you. Send the next one in. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just think it's like a respect thing there. I get the time issue, or like I don't want to waste your time either. I know it's not you, and we're at the end of page one, but. I don't know. There's like a balance there. Yeah, absolutely. If, if, and, and time management is always a thing with casting, right? Like they, yeah, they always yeah. seem to be a little behind, not always, but sometimes they're behind. And I know that, oh, yeah. you know, if they can make up the time, they will, cause they have, a, you know, 20, 50 other things they could be doing all the time. Yep. Uh, yep. But yeah, I think we do live or in when a, they're ahead. Or and when then they're, they're ahead, I'm sorry, I'm when they're ahead and they're like, "Where are you?" And they're like, "I'm I'm I'm here at my time. I'm here at my time. Can I have? Can you give me five minutes? I just walked in. I can I dust the snow off my face? You know." Yep. Yeah. I learned a long time ago that like I, I, I mean, it's one thing to sort of show up like fifteen minutes or ten minutes early. Yeah. But like, I'm not gonna give you. I I'm I can't go in that room until like I'm ready. Yeah, And like, sometimes that means like, I'm just like walking around the block because I don't want to get called in early or mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to go into the room. I'm going to peek my head in and see sort of where they are and then go walk this hallway or go in a bathroom run or whatever. But like, that's the thing too, of like getting in there and thinking you have so much time and then be like, we're actually ahead. So um, just whenever you're ready, just come on in. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. It really, oh, it really, uh, it messes you up. I mean, it's. Yeah. And and what I do now is when I show up to casting, wherever the building is, you know, if it's Pearl or Ripley or, you know, at Telsey, I do not write my name on the list until I have gone to the bathroom, changed my, changed into my outfit, put my shoes on, dusted my face. Like, you know, am I ready? Yeah. Looked over my size. Okay, now I'm going to put my name on the list because I cannot get put in this position where I'm not ready after putting in all this work, learning all these sides, learning this music. 
And that's another thing too. I feel like when you get called into these auditions, especially for new works, if I love the music, I can learn it like that. But if I don't, mm-hmm. If I'm not responding to the music, it feels like an uphill climb. And I think the same thing happens to the sides too. Like you were talking about, this is me. I know this. I know this. I feel like when you get those roles that feel very natural and like you can really lean into the language, it just rolls off your tongue. It's nothing to memorize five scenes. I mean, it's not nothing, but it's a little, it, it helps. <laughs> it's easier. Yeah. Yeah. It For helps. sure. I, I mean, I definitely feel that way about the writing where it's like, if I feel like I can actually see myself saying this thing, mm-hmm. I have a phrase like if it like it fits in my mouth, it just yeah. like it fits and I, I get it. It's like, OK, I understand how this thought leads to the next thought leads to the next. And I'm not just memorizing something that doesn't sort of make any like sense to me. Yeah. And like just rote memorization. But it's like, no, that there's like a, a thought there and mm-hmm. all of that follows. It's like, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm actually and I think that's also sort of a second city thing too because frequently you're like you're just memorizing stuff for you know they do like sort of business things where you're like you know memorizing funny sketches for for companies and then you like got it and you do the thing and it's like okay now forget that you know it's like a pump and dump you just like remember I can spit it out to you real quick and then yeah. I'm gonna let that go and on to the next one so like that memorization is a bit of a muscle so it does require practice it does. Um, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. It, no, it totally does. And it doesn't mean that you need to practice the same copy. It is something that if you are memorizing something every day, something different every day, it gets easier and easier to memorize things quickly. Yeah. I'm learning yeah. that now for the first time with all these self-tapes and things that are coming in because we're we're all sequestered in our homes that, oh, I can memorize this in an hour. And I can put it on mm-hmm. tape, which is not mm-hmm. something I could have done two years ago or maybe even a year ago, but just the it works. So, hey, for anyone yeah. who's listening or watching, if you have trouble memorizing things, all you got to do is get yourself a little dummy copy every day and work on it every day and it will get better. It will. So, and you do the work, though. I mean, you you put in the work to like to develop that skill, which is incredible. I, I Thanks, you know, Trav. I've always admired that about you. I'm serious. Oh I'm my sure. god! Um, <laughs> but uh, what you said too about the, like music, though, you know, like I think if it's if it's well written, it is music. Mm-hmm. If it's well written, you can feel that rhythm. You can feel like the way it's supposed to go, and that will just like make it so much easier. So, yeah, do all the things. All the things. I was thinking too about you. You saying you know that the power of no and like that you know. You can say no. And I I know you. And I know you have said no many times. And I I admire that about you because you're a choosy actor. Um, Some would say even a choosy person when it comes to how you spend Ah! your time. (laughs) Watch it. Watch it. But no, 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 no. To my point is that how did you, is that just a personality or how did you develop that strength and that confidence to say no and to be choosy? Um, I felt like when I was in Chicago, I didn't say no to anything. I was just like, I will do non-union work. You can pay me $200 a week. I will do, you know, I will take a train to Indiana. I just wanted to work. But it, I don't know. Sometimes I got stuck in in in, in uh, productions that didn't really serve me, that wasted my time, didn't fulfill me. Uh, the lesson learned was, hey, maybe I should have said no to that. So how did you learn that about yourself, that you needed that, that it worked for you? Right. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I had to learn it for sure. Mm. And I think, I mean, I suppose, you know, like, not saying no works for some people, but just like, and I'm, in, in all things, like, this is from my experience, that for me, uh, being able to say no to and learning that I could, it's just like, Adrian and I hope that you have enjoyed listening to the show thus far. If you'd like to hear the full interview and get access to the curtain call, head on over to 32barcut.com, where you can find a link to our Patreon page. There you will have exclusive access to the entire video collection and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. All right, that's all I got. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.